That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the lake. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came up and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil. And brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some even thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world... And the lure of wealth and choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. Now, I'm going to embarrass my wife for just a little bit this morning because uh, I was born with two black thumbs. When it comes to growing things, I grab a hold of a seed, I put it in the ground, and it is dead before it even takes root. I don't know why I have this curse. For some reason, I am not a good uh, person to take care of plants. I am really good at growing weed gardens. And the best part about weed gardens is we have a 13-year-old who can go and chop them down. But in reality, when it comes to anything beautiful in 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 the realm of the garden world, I am not the one that you want to ask to take care of those plants in any way, shape, or form. I think if we're being completely honest, I would kill a plastic plant. But my wife, on the other hand, has this innate ability to take the most... Uh, scroungy-looking, dead plant of all time. You see, when we go flower or plant shopping, my wife goes to the clearance section of the garden or the, the greenery, right? It's the place where no one goes because those plants have been left to die. I'm talking plants that were supposed to be beautiful things and they are now on sale because no one has bought them because they were ugly and scary looking. And somehow, over the 25 years that I've been married to my wife, my wife picks those out. I think it's because she's an accountant and doesn't want to pay $30 for the same plant. But that's another story. 
So she has this innate ability where she'll find the scroungiest looking plant and somehow bring it back to life. And it doesn't matter what it is. She has this crazy tree that her mom gave her. It's a lemon tree. It's a Buddha hand lemon tree that grows these funky looking fruits that should not be able to grow in Oklahoma, yet it flourishes in our backyard. Since we bought our house, we have this beautiful courtyard that my wife has turned into this menagerie of plants. She came up with this crazy idea because she's addicted to elephant ears. Let's plant a few. So if you ever have a chance to drive by our house, I want you to stop, not necessarily in and come by, because my dachshunds will eat you, but really to just kind of see the courtyard, not the weed garden in front, because that's my job, right? The, the neat little menagerie that my wife has grown inside of our courtyard. The elephant ears have taken over. The hosta have turned a whole corner into a place that's amazing. She has all of these plants that are growing and have taken over. And all she did, I think, is show it a little bit of love. Every single morning at 7 a.m., she gets up, she lets the dogs out, she plants, she waters them. I think she talks to them and she takes care of them. And somehow they have continued to grow. It reminds me of this study that took place in the 70s and 80s that did this study with ferns. And they would play classical music or rock and roll music or all kinds of things to see which fern would grow depending on the audio sound waves around the plant. And they found, for some reason, I think it's coincidence, but I'm not a scientist, that the plants that listen to Mozart and classical music, the ferns seem to grow better. Some have even said that they find therapeutic ways of speaking to their plants, and those plants seem to grow better. I haven't caught my wife talking to plants, because that would be another story, but somehow in that process, this idea of nurturing and loving plants to see them grow makes sense to me, and the connection that Jesus is making to the audience hearing this parable. You see, they were farmers. Their whole life depended on what was being planted. And, and farmers know that you have to have good soil. And, and good soil is hard to come by. It's not something that just happens overnight. You have to love, you have to nurture, you have to move things around to make it available to be planted. My whole side of my dad's side of the family were farmers, and they'll tell you that a wheat field is no good if it's got rocks in the middle of it, but you have rocks that you can't get out sometimes and you got to go around them. There are trees that get in the way. There are thorn branches that seem to come and suffocate an entire wheat field in the blink of an eye. It, you see, Jesus knew his audience. He understood that when he was talking to these people, that when it comes to aspects of our faith, we have to recognize that those are seeds that God has planted. While you're on your journeys of life, you're going to produce fruit. Now, it's not necessarily going to be the same fruit as the person standing next to you. As a matter of fact, each of you might have a, a funky-looking Buddha hand lemon growing from you, but they serve purposes in the world of God. The four seed sowings have their unique histories the farmer and the harvest give us all a moment to pause and reflect on what the parable says to us today 
to our personal lives, to our own world. What? Which of the four soils in this parable best describe your response when you first heard the gospel? I think sometimes in the world of the church, we don't talk enough about what nurtures us and gives us the ability to grow into these beautiful vessels that God sees that are amazing. Whether we're flowers or whether we're vegetables, some way or another, God plants these seeds and, and expects us to produce fruit. Now, every congregation that I've ever worked with says, well, Josh, what is that fruit that you want from us? Notice how they say that. What you want from us? Well, I, I don't know. I'm not God. <clears throat> and I really don't want to try to be. God designed you in specific ways, and the ways that you're going to produce fruit are completely different than the person sitting next to you. I mean, Paul spends his entire letters talking about each of us having different gifts. Why? Well, because each of us will produce fruit in different ways because of the way that we're designed differently. God wants us to be able to do these things in such a way that shows love and compassion to God's world. I want us to think about this a little bit. If we are to produce fruit, and we are to be able to do that, we also have to look at what nurtures and feeds us. So let me tell you a little bit about what I have to do in order to feed myself, because I don't think I do a good enough job sharing with you what feeds me. I love the Bible. I think most of you know that. I love reading the Bible. I love reading the Bible, but I read it with a kind of an academic lens that drives a little bit, drives a lot of people crazy because I want to look at it from the first century first, and then I want to look at it for today second. I want to look at the sociological and the anthropological things and differences that took place in the first century with the audience that Jesus was speaking to and recognize that they're different than what we hear in the 21st century, but they're not that different. The messages still feed and change us through parables. I love the Bible. I love it. But if you're going to use the Bible, you have to read it. You have to pick it up and you have to listen to lots of voices. You don't want to stick on one commentary. You want to listen to lots of people telling you about it. You want to talk about it with others. So for me, reading the Bible is important. Another thing that's important to me, which I know you've heard before, is praying. And I'm not talking about the prayer with all the churchy words. I'm, I'm talking about getting down on my hands and knees weeping, lifting up all of the things that are driving me crazy as a human being and allowing God to take away my tears, which I believe are the waters of the everlasting life. Just say it. There's nothing wrong with having the ability to be connected to God through tears. But you don't have to cry during prayer, but you have to pray. I need you to hear me say that. You can't just say, I'm gonna. You have to pray. And then for me, the third way that I find the connection to God is, and I feel that nurturing, is the singing of hymns. 
or the singing of music. I think there's something beautiful about when a congregation sings from as loud as they possibly can, and I don't care if they sing in tune. The goal here is, is that we're singing praises to God, and in that place, in that moment, you know, this is the part I want you to hear, because it's really cool as a preacher. When you're standing in the front of a sanctuary and the congregation is singing with their whole being, you stop breathing for a second. Because they're so into it that they, they don't even notice that they're singing loudly. That is what feeds my soul. It's the connection between you and me and God in the aspect of singing and worship. Those three things feed me and nurture me along my path. Now, every farmer will tell you this. There is no such thing as a straight line. I'm not going to tell you that if you do all of those three things, it'll be perfect. Because I think the coolest part about Jesus' parable is, is that in those places, there's paths, rocky ground, and thorns that will always get in your way. And you have to adjust. And the only way that you can do that is, is by asking God to guide you in that moment. So I want you to be thinking about these things in the next week, in the next few months. I think it's important that we listen to what Jesus is saying when he listens to the group of people standing on the boat from the shore and he says, with anyone with ears, listen. I think because the world has a problem with taking a moment and to stop talking and listen to the way God is directing and guiding us. I want you to spend time asking what in your life nurtures your spiritual growth? What are the thorns and the rocks in your life which choke out your spiritual growth? How do I remove them? And in some cases you won't be able to. You may have to go around the obstacles in your life. You may have to have help getting those obstacles out of the way. As we come to an end of this moment, I want us to be thinking how the parable of the four soils and how he tells the story connects to us. And how it illuminates how people hear the word of the kingdom. Our hope as we continue to grow as individuals and as a community of faith is, is that we have the ability to listen. We use our ears to hear. But ultimately we want to be able to understand. I don't believe that God gave all of us truly black thumbs. We all grow in different ways. Some of us have the ability to make plants grow. Some of us have the ability to, uh, I don't know what I necessarily am really good at. I feel like sometimes I'm the, 
a jack of all trades and a master of none. <laughs> but I know that I keep searching and knowing that I see the fruit of my labor in other people and I see the fruit of my labor in the ways that God feeds me. And my hope is, is that you continue to seek that out so that anyone that has ears may listen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.